time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Father on up the road Somebody gonna hurt you like you hurt me Father on up the road Somebody gonna hurt you like you hurt me Baby, you just wait and see You got to reap just what you sow That old saying is true You got to reap just what you sow That old saying is true Just like you mistreat someone Somebody gonna mistreat you Oh, you're laughing pretty baby Someday you're gonna be crying Now you're laughing pretty baby Someday you're gonna be crying Further on up the road You'll find out I wasn't lying Hey, 
is for the first place. Remember the night mom was pounding on her drums? She called me to her side. She said, Son, you're growing up. Pretty soon you're gonna drive. And daddy heard the commotion and came, came in tap dancing, playing his six string. And they both looked at me and they said, Son, before you get behind the wheel of a car, you listen to me. If you're texting while you steer, don't drive. If you've been drinking beer, don't drive. If you're talking on the phone, your tires are bald and it's starting to snow. Don't try. If your foot can't reach the pedal. Don't try. If you're wearing no apparel. Don't try. If you took an illegal prescription. Don't try. If no one understands your diction. Don't try. Don't speed, don't read, don't breathe, don't tweet, don't shave, don't rave, don't wave, don't eat. And don't put no makeup on or shave. You know you're not supposed to do that. Huh. If you gotta do something you're not supposed to do You can go ahead and step on my blue suede shoes Ah, go ahead and scuff them up If you're driving with your knees Don't drive If while you roll you eat Don't drive If you don't know how to drive Don't drive If you've been psychedelicized Don't drive If you're kissing on your boo Kissing on you. Don't try. If you've been drinking at a bar. Don't try. If there's guns in the car. Don't try. Don't groom, don't shave, don't tweeze, don't nurse, don't voice these things in your ears or rummage through your purse. Ugh. Don't do that. Huh. If you won't do something you're not supposed to do, you can go ahead and talk on my food, man. 
chew. Go ahead, I don't care. Watch me tear. If you feel like a nap, don't try to If there's a pooch on your lap, oh, it's dangerous and creepy. If you're feeling really wired, if your license is expired, don't you drive around the town. Something you're not supposed to do You can go ahead and step on my bluesway shoes Scuff them up Then go ahead and pull on my Fu Manchu Yeah If you want to do something You want to do something that's good If you're feeling like any of that stuff Don't drive Make sure you got a clear head Ow got a chance to hear a little music from comedian uh, Bruce Baum. Before that, we heard um, Sheila Landis. And uh, before that, the Blue Hawaiians. We had a little extra time, and whenever we have a little extra time, I like to squeeze in local music if I can. Now, we have scheduled this hour Dr. John Bishop, who has uh, brought back um, a new uh, Doc Brady mystery in his uh, new book, Act of Revenge, and uh, if we can get connected with him by phone, um, we'll, uh, we'll have that interview coming up after we take this short break. So don't touch that uh, dial, don't click that mouse, we'll be right back. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Keldoon. 
We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. The Spangled Dwarf in his bow tie. The infantry that don't ask why. I'm Bob Dylan. Remember those fabulous 60s? The marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artist who made them famous. You're thrilled to Society's Child by Janice Pleasant Ballet Sunday by the Monkees. What have they done to the rain by the Searchers? In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley. Silent Night, 7 o'clock news by Simon and Garfunkel. And who can ever forget this all-time classic? Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War. All for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the Electric Prunes, Jefferson Airplane, Lotharian Hand People, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, Golden Protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something that'll tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70Ksouthbendindiana.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is uh, part of the creative team behind the American Girl series. Valerie Tripp joins me by phone. Um, uh, Valerie, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks for inviting me today. I, I want to make sure and, and explain to people what uh, the American Girl series is It's uh, and, and this new book, which uh, 
has has got me fascinated because of all the names and the wordplay. Um, Izzy Newton and the Smart Squad, Absolute Hero, is the name of the book. It's part of the American Girl book series with uh, National Geographic Kids. How did those two groups get together? Well, Tom, actually, um, Izzy Newton and the Smart Squad, Absolute Hero, doesn't have anything to do with American Girl. It's purely National Geographic and National Geographic Kids. Uh, um, for many uh, years, I wrote uh, for American Girl, which is a wonderful, wonderful job. I loved, love doing it. And now I have this have a new series with National Geographic Kids. So this is a whole new this is a whole new ballgame for me. And and I mentioned the title of the book, Izzy Newton and the Smart Squad. And uh, SMART stands for Solve Mysteries and Reveal Truths. That's right. Kind of clever, kind of clever. But, <laughs> but so is Izzy Newton. That, you know, it doesn't hit you at first until you start seeing some of the other names in the book. Allie Einstein and Charlie Darwin. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I get it. These are all plays on famous science people. Isaac Newton and Albert Einstein and Charles Darwin. Um, This is fun. Is it... How much of it is fun and how much of it is, uh, well, science? It's... It's all fun, and one of one of the things that I really enjoyed doing was that, you know, Izzy is named after Isaac Newton, and so I tried to do, I did a lot of research about Isaac Newton, and for example, Isaac Newton's best friend was named John Wickens, so I gave Izzy a cat named Wickens, and Izzy plays the flute, and so did Isaac Newton play the flute, and of course, they're both interested in physics and the stars and um, the planets, so I sort of modeled the girls' interests and personalities after the famous scientists they were named after. It's so much fun. I could find out, you know, what what was um, Albert Einstein's favorite color? What was his favorite food? (laughs) What instrument did he play? And then I had my character um, just kind of quietly uh, mention some, I would mention some of those same things. And I really enjoyed making Izzy an unusual heroine, to tell you the truth, because like Isaac Newton, she's rather introspective. She, she's, she's really kind of a quiet person. I was inspired by a book called Quiet by an author named Susan Cain, and it's about the contributions that quiet people make. And Izzy is kind of the nucleus, I guess I would say, of this group of five friends. She doesn't have to be the center of attention. In fact, she doesn't like being the center of attention, but she is the, she's the force that sort of holds them all together. And that made her a wonderful hero to write about because she's thoughtful and mindful and respectful and kind. Uh, she has a depth to her that made her really, really wonderful to, to write about. I, uh, I'm fascinated by how you're able to craft a story that is interesting and appealing to young people and girls in particular um, and, and work the science in. Um, mm-hmm. how, do, how does that... Are, are, you, are you sneaking it in? Are you trying to... You, you just... That's very perceptive. You've just gone to the heart and soul of the whole of my whole task and 
I begin. I always begin whenever I write a book. I always begin by being inspired by my readers. And thanks to American Girl, over the years I've met so many thousand wonderful young girls who serve as my inspiration, both sort of generally and also specifically they will give me ideas for stories and plots that they would like to see me pursue. And I noticed meeting these girls, they did have a natural, a lot of them had a natural interest in science, especially when we make it clear that science happens everywhere, not just in labs by people wearing white coats, that all of us are engaged in science, technology, engineering, and math all the time. When we use our computers or we do digital art, we're involved with technology. Now, of course, students are learning um, through remote um, technology, so they're very involved with that. And I wanted to sort of say to my young readers, you know, science isn't something far off and arcane. When you train your pet when you cook when you decide what you're you know how you're going to treat the environment that's science and if you have an interest in that don't let anyone talk you out of it so so i was inspired by this natural interest i saw girls had and then i really enjoyed choosing a mystery and it, it i didn't want it to be you know i didn't want to give my characters superpowers or anything. It had to be a mystery that 11-year-old girls could realistically solve. It had to be an approachable mystery. These girls are smart, which is not to say that they don't make a lot of mistakes along the way and have a lot of false starts and a lot of failures. That was another thing I wanted to say. You know, scientists make mistakes a lot. And as a writer, I have to start my, do my manuscripts four or five times before I get it right. And we shouldn't be afraid of failures. And I wanted to say to, to to my readers you, you know this is a lot of things are about just not giving up quite frankly <laughs> so I loved finding these mysteries that the girls could realistically solve and then weaving the personal story the sort of mysteries of human behavior and the emotional content of the story around and amongst the um, elements of the scientific mystery it's it's fun I also loved using scientific terms uh, as metaphors for how the characters felt sometimes. For example, when Izzy feels particularly low one day, she, feel, she says she feels like she's fallen into a black hole. And I loved the richness of those scientific terms that I could use as metaphors. Well, and, and even the, the, uh, the title of the book, um, Lizzie Newton and the Smart Squad, Absolute Hero, that sounds like Absolute Zero. Yes, and the first mystery they solve is why their school building is so freezing cold. So it's absolute zero. They feel like the temperature in there is absolute zero, and then they feel as though there's a little chilliness going on um, between two friends, and that also feels like absolute zero. And then Izzy says sometimes she feels like an absolute zero when things do not go her way. So again, I love to use those scientific terms and plays on them as as metaphors. And I'll tell you that the end, at the end of the book, they decide there isn't any one absolute hero. It was the five of them working as a team that solved the mystery. And that was another important point that I wanted to make, that um, help, asking for help is an important thing to be able to do. 
And and in the process, of course, you get to fold into the storyline some some STEM based ideas. Is it is it yeah. difficult to introduce to young girls um, just the whole idea of STEM? Is it best done somewhat surreptitiously? And, you know, I, I hope what I try to do is sort of make it matter. You know, when you when if you become friends with a character, then whatever happens to that character in the book matters to you because you you want things to work out for that character. And so too, I tried to make the STEM elements essential to the story, so that my reader would realize, okay, this is this is important to the story and important to these characters. So therefore, it's important to me too. And I tried to do it not heavy-handed, not pedantically, not heavy-handed, but to kind of say, okay, well, if we're going to solve the mystery, let's use the scientific method. Let's use the five steps of the scientific method. And so I have those in the book. And then I have some of the scientific terms defined at the end of the book as well. So the reader almost unconsciously is absorbing this scientific language and this scientific point of view. So, yes, I tried to do it in kind of a, an artful way. Is it harder to get young people and girls in particular interested in, um, in science when we have this, this political climate going on where there are so many uh, so-called science deniers? I, you know, I think actually that young kids of this age are realizing that they have a responsibility to repair some of the damage that has been done, for example, to the environment, and that science is one of the ways they can find better ways of protecting the environment. So I think they're very conscious of science and conscious of STEM, and that particularly now with the pandemic, I think that they've it's almost like we're all, uh, not that we ask to be, but we're all subjects in the scientific experiment, and we've learned a great deal about hygiene and protecting ourselves and each other. We've learned about engineers reconfiguring public spaces for our protection. We've learned, I mean, sadly, math is a function of all of our lives every day, isn't it, when we look at the rates of infection. So I think that my young readers are immersed in a world of science maybe more than I was when I was growing up. Well, and and a lot of things are being reinvented before our very eyes. I mean, the whole idea of Zoom meetings was not unheard of, but it was not as commonplace as it is now. And the idea and it certainly of... certainly wasn't the way, it, you know, now the, the remote learning is how they're doing school. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, That's where I was going with that. Yeah, so, you know, so literally bringing this home to the, to, uh, the kids, you know, that, that the technology is a huge part, a huge part of their um, lives. And that, you know, science isn't static. It, you're, it, it's changing all the time. We're finding out new things all the time. And that's, to me, very optimistic, actually. That, that fills me with hope that we're finding better solutions all the time. We've made some mistakes in the past about we, the way we've used our natural resources, and one would hope that we could 
find some solutions to repair some of the damage that we've done. And one could make the argument that we've made some mistakes in the way we use our science. Yeah, that's true, too. That's absolutely true. We have. Yes. It's, I love complexity like that. I really respect my readers, and I know they can deal with ambiguity. You know, if there are lots of things that have two sides to them. And I love respecting them enough to say, okay, you know, this is, this is complicated. But you're smart enough to understand both sides of this and make up your own mind about how you feel about it. Valerie, this is um, set up to be a, a series. Um, yeah. Are we going to see lots of stories from Izzy Newton and the Smart Squad? I hope so. I've already finished the second one, which is called Newton's Flaw, and that is that story is about um, cracks in the foundation of the school that lead to a mold problem in the school. So quite literally thinking of a flaw as a crack or a fissure. And then my character Izzy has a flaw in that she hates public speaking. Poor Izzy. She signed up for an elective class called forensics, thinking that it was the meaning of forensics, you know, the way like a crime show on TV. And her friends say to her, "Uh uh-oh, no, this is English forensics class, which is debate and speech, which she hates doing. She hates standing up in front of of a group. So that's her big flaw is that she hates standing up in front of a group. So she has to figure out a way around it. She's got to figure out a way through it. She's got to figure out a solution to overcome this tremendous fear that she has. So that's Newton's flaw. The play on words in the second book has to do with um, her overcoming that fear. And then I'm already working on a third book that um, will be an outdoors adventure. Um, so I'm already cooking on that one. The um, How do you manage to to create characters that young people can relate to do you have to have a, a special insight into young people and and what makes them tick well i i, I mean that's one reason why i like to hang out with um people of the age I'm, you know, readers of the age that I'm writing for, because, you know, you hear how they speak, you see how they interact, you hear what's important to them. So I like to stay current by keeping a lot of contact with um, kids of that age. But I'm going to tell you what, a lot of times grown-ups ask me, say that they would like to write books for children. And I think you have to have been a certain kind of child. So I'm sorry to say this sometimes to aspiring grown-ups who want to write for children, in some ways it's too late. You have to have been the kind of kid who was a little bit nerdy and a little bit uh, on the outside and always observing all the time. I, I think that you, you're you not just remembering how it was to be a child when you're writing for children. You still are partly reacting to the world that way i think it's a weird it's a weird twist on personality but i think it's essential if you're going to write things that really resonate with children you can't be telling them what you think they should be interested in 
you have to know what they really are interested in. You mentioned the the pandemic, and and this is a, a difficult time for people, writers and and other people, to be releasing work and and having a book drop like this one. Um, are are you getting feedback? Do you, do you get some sense that uh, that, that yes, kids are able to get the book? Absolutely and, right. Well, it only launched yesterday, so it's it's you know it, it's not in too many kids' hands yet. But you're absolutely right. This is a whole new world. Normally, I would be going to bookstores, and I would be going to schools, and I'd be going to brownie troops, and I'd be going to church groups, and I miss it so much. I really, we all have to make sacrifices, and this is not a huge one, but I sure do miss contact with the kids who read the stories that I write. But they're in touch, you know, uh, people do um, listen to the radio, and people read blogs, and people do podcasts, and there are other uh, remote ways now that I get reactions to to the stories that I have written. I already have a a book report. A girl's already written a book report about Izzy Newton and the Smart Squad, um, which is very, very fun. So I do hear back, but it is different from the way it used to be. You're right. Yeah, I would would think that would be a a little bit tough and... And that begs the question, do you typically work from home? I do typically work from home, but also in old days, I spent, I would, gosh, probably once a week visit a school or a group of kids um, somewhere to talk about writing as a craft and writing as a career. And at the same time, I would be absorbing and noticing and observing the kids and then asking them, you know, a, a one thing I did this spring was Zoom with some science classes. And don't be surprised if there's a future Izzy Newton story that features snakes. Because when I asked the <laughs> students in this one particular science class, what would you like to have happen? They said, oh, the most exciting thing that happened in our school all year was a snake got into the school. And they were all so excited about the snake. So I thought, oh, there is a good story. There's a great story. So... Izzy's definitely going to have a run-in with a snake at some point or other, directly inspired by this science class at Seneca Falls, who uh, really wanted a story about snakes getting into the school. Don't you love it? I just, it, my job is so much fun because it's new stuff coming along all the time. I never know where the inspirations and ideas are going to come from. They just come from all over, and the kids are just an infinite source of inspiration. How long does it take to... Um get a book put together and out. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. The way it usually works for me is that I'll write sort of a chatty letter of description to my editor and say, how would you feel about a story that went sort of along these lines? And then sometimes she'll write back and say, nah, or sometimes she'll say, okay, I'd like to see more of this and I'd like to see more of that and I'd like to see less of that. And then if I get the green light, that part takes probably three months or so. And then if I get the green light, then I go deep into research mode because I have to be sure I've got all my science straight and have to be sure I'm you know, authentic and real in my description of the science. So then I go into deep research mode, and then I write another description of the story that is much more detailed, and then more people read that description and make suggestions and everything, and then I go into my deep writing mode. And so usually I would say six to eight months, yeah. and with a lot of interaction uh, along the way, 
um, back and forth with my um, editors who are incredibly wonderful and helpful. I just love the people I work with at National Geographic. That's been a real pleasure. And then, gosh, it takes a long time for the art to be done. So even when we have the story where we want it to be, then the artist, who's wonderful in this case, Geneva Powers, is doing beautiful work. I just love what she does. That takes yet another long time. And then there's a stage that comes where they say, you know what, Barry? You're just going to have to cut out a whole bunch of words because the art <laughs> is so fabulous. We're giving, And I love to do that because most of the time, Geneva's art is so good, my words aren't even necessary anymore. So that, that stage comes to where you do radical cuts to a story, which I think lightens it up and enlivens it. And I'm, I'm, I'm a merciless cutter, actually. Yeah, I've talked to a few writers that aren't so keen on being cut. (laughs) I've been doing it so long that I've realized, you know, there's more good stuff where that came from. Don't worry about it. Yes, you're going to cut this, but don't worry. Don't hold on to it with both hands. It's got to go. I I was getting a little distracted looking at some of the artwork here because it is really quite nice. Um, She's wonderful, isn't she? Yeah. I don't know how artists do it. I don't know how they do it. When you stare at those characters, you know what they're, you learn about their personalities better than my words tell you. And I don't know how artists do that. It's just remarkable to me. I'm filled with admiration. Is, is there an art to how much science you can infuse the story with? Yeah. Yes, there absolutely is. There absolutely is. And again, you know, I, it's a point of pride with me that my characters, my American Girl characters are regular old girls, and my Izzy Newton characters, nobody has magic powers. You know, nobody has secret equipment. Um, These are normal girls who have to work hard to solve these mysteries. That means that the mysteries have to be doable. They have to be a mystery even that the kid who's reading the book would have the ability to solve. So yes, I have to be, I want to be very authentic when it comes to the mysteries. And I, I don't, you know, I can't say that these girls are the ones who discover the vaccine for COVID. It has to be realistic. So yes, that, that you're absolutely right. I, I have to be judicious about how complicated I get with the science. More with award-winning author and girl power expert, Valerie Tripp, straight ahead. Fighting crime. I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. 
Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. It may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange, it's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman steady sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman's sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you, could you be happy if your name This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with award-winning author and girl power expert Valerie Tripp straight ahead. How important is it to have girls be the heroes in these uh, kinds of stories? Well, because I feel so strongly about 
blowing the dust off any kind of old stereotypes about what girls can or cannot do. And because I never thought that those old tropes about what boys are mostly interested in or girls are mostly, they, they were never universally true anyway. Everybody's got a range of interests. And so it's very, it was very, very important to me to direct these stories to girls and to model the fictional characters' interests in science and then those real scientists that we talk about at the end to model an interest in science for girls as well. Because unfortunately, at the higher graduate levels, women are still underrepresented, especially in a field like engineering. I would love if a girl became interested in some aspect of science because of these books and then stuck to her passion for years and pursued it. Um, So it's very important to me to encourage and celebrate, actually, what I see as a natural interest in science. Once again, the book is uh, National Geographic Kids, um, the first title in uh, the new STEM-based fiction series, Izzy Newton and the Smart Squad, Absolute Hero, by uh, my guest, award-winning author and girl power expert, Valerie Tripp. Um, Valerie, I always try to uh, give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about and about you and and your other work, past, present, and future. Um, do you have a website? I do. It's ValerieTripp.org. But the best place to find out about Izzy Newton, and then there's also a bio, a little bio about Geneva Bowers, the artist, and a bio about me and wonderful art, is NationalGeographic.com. That has a, that would be the really best place to start out. You know, one thing that that. Um that I wonder about because so many people uh, access books and and stories and information online these days. Um, Are kids still sitting down in the corner with a good book? You know, I think um, many children do read the books online and they do read them as, you know, uh, a Kindle. I think, ironically, because of the COVID crisis, they spend so much time in front of screens that I have heard that, in fact, a children's books have a renewed popularity, that to sit down quietly with a book as something distinctly different from sitting in front of the screen is an attractive and appealing um, activity these days. So I'm happy to hear that because I think when you read a book, you have to put in 50% of the energy. You meet that book halfway. You're a partner. You're a partner with the author when you read a book. It's not all done for you. It's not fully realized for you. You're bringing your imagination. You're using your imagination muscle and and bringing that story to life. And, oh, my gosh, what a wonderful skill that is. And so I'd be happy to hear that children were enjoying reading again. Well, it it helps if if there are fun stories. And, And one of the things that make these stories fun is there's a little hint of humor in there isn't there Uh, yes i always try to fuel the stories with humor it's you know as a writer it makes it more fun for you actually if you put if you put humor in there and so i really do and also girls are funny you know any group of girls there's going to be funny stuff happening and this 
as I said before, I mean, they make mistakes and they make messes and things, gosh, in the second book, things literally explode. So I, I do like to show the humor of, of mishaps and while you take yourself seriously and all, it's also kind of a gift to be able to laugh at yourself. Well, Valerie, it certainly has been fun talking with you, and this sounds like a fun new series. Izzy Newton and the Smart Squad, Absolute Hero, is the name of the book. It's uh, uh, produced by National Geographic Kids and written by my guest, Valerie Tripp. Valerie, thank you so much for spending this time with me today. Oh, Tom, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very, very much. I really enjoyed it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Actually, I did rather well myself this past Christmas. The nicest present I received was a gift certificate good at any hospital for a lobotomy. <laughs> Now, now, if I may digress momentarily from the mainstream of this evening's symposium, I'd like to sing a song which is completely pointless, but is something which I picked up during my career as a scientist. This may prove useful to some of you someday, perhaps, in a somewhat bizarre set of circumstances. It's simply the names of the chemical elements set to a possibly recognizable tune. There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and golden protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. There's yttrium, ytterbium, actinium, rubidium, aboran, gadolinium, niobium, iridium, and strontium, and silicon, and silver, and samarium, and bismuth, bromine, lithium, beryllium, and barium. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I knew you would. I hope you're all taking notes, because there's going to be a short quiz next period. <laughs> There's holmium and helium and hafnium and erbium and phosphorus and francium and fluorine and terbium and manganese and mercolium and lignum and magnesium and dysprosium and scandium and cerium and cesium and lead, praseodymium and platinum and plutonium, palladium, promethium, potassium, polonium and tantalum, denesium, titanium, tellurium and cadmium and calcium and chromium and curium. There's sulfur, californium, and fermium, berkelium, and also mendelevium, einsteinium, nobelium, and arcan, kryptonian, radon, xenon, zinc, and rhodium, and chlorine, carbon, cobalt, copper, tungsten, tin, and sodium. These are the only ones of which the news has come to Harvard. And there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Everybody said you better watch out 
Love will hurt you, yeah, there's no doubt Guess they just could not see The things she does for me She's always there on my darkest nights And all the others said, got no time Make a lunar forever I will be And there if you should fall I give you my own Nights go by and there's no trace I think I'm never gonna see her face again She proves me wrong She's been here all along What was I thinking to doubt you love? Far beyond the stars above I hope you can forgive me Cause I cannot forget That you were there on my darkest nights All the others said got no time Make a lunar forever I will be There if you should fall Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 